this is the pre-show banter that we'll probably include in the show. Uh, I'm seeing this Nick Saban uh, retirement news coming down the pike. Do you do you react to something like this the way I do, where it's like you know it's a big deal, but it seems like a boring thing to have a take about? Uh, but or do you just look at it and go, I relish having to take about it? No, no, no. You have good um, instincts on this type of stuff. Big difference between big story and great topic. So, you, you know what I mean? Like, it is a massive story, and it is huge news. It is not a great, for me, like, if you're a die, you know, if you're a fine bomber, if you want to actually, you know, dig into, is he the greatest college football coach of all time? Like, that can be an interesting topic. Uh, are he and Belichick going to team up together somewhere? You know, kind of right off into the sunset together. Uh, that's interesting, but yeah, I feel the same way. I'm not, I'm, but I'm also not a huge college football guy. I understand it is a massive story. I don't think it's a great topic. Yeah, I have that feeling of damn. I wish this big story was something that I had anything to tack on, anything to say, anything about. Uh, I saw you and Bomani uh, mention that a marriage can withstand being a pro football expert or a college football expert, but not the hybrid, not the combination. And I think oh, that, yeah, that's, I think that's right. true. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, you, for, yeah, I don't think it's possible to be successfully married with kids. And I shouldn't say it's possible. I haven't been able to thread no. the needle of there's going to be five months a year where all day Saturday and Sunday – I'm just unavailable. Do it again! Do it again! Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars. Winners hang with winners. It is House of Strauss. We are thrilled to be joined by First Things First co-panelist Nick Wright and host of the What's Right podcast, friend of the pod. Uh, and to give a quick intro, Nick, uh, you yeah. wanted to turn the tables on me. Uh, you wanted to grill me a bit. And it seems like this is your occasion to do so. So that's what we're going to do and bounce around other things. Well, yeah, so little context. Ethan and I hmm. don't know each other personally as far as, like, been in the same room as human beings together. But I feel like we know each other quite well professionally. You've been on the TV show. I've been on the pod a number of times. And I think we both have, I like to think, a very healthy respect for the work each other does, which is why I was so disappointed and angered when I read your Rogers column because mm. I you and I want to I wanted to give the context that I like and respect you because I don't want to come across like an asshole but I'm going to for a moment you either through an oversight which seems impossible or intentionally which seems worse left out what I think is the single key piece of information in the 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 beginning of the Rogers Kimmel feud, which then I think allowed the off ramp of, oh my goodness, 
the all of this reactionary media taking Kimmel's side when there's no reason to believe what everyone seems to believe. And so I I am going to explain what I'm saying. Okay. You you wrote and I you know you wrote why would Rogers say this about you know what he said last week if he's not insinu- insinuating that Kimmel's on the list? Well, naturally, because Kimmel publicly publicly went after Rogers for wanting the list to come out. But there's more here. Kimmel used his Jimmy Kimmel Live talk show to roast Rogers for, among other positions, the quarterback's interest in the Epstein files. In March of 2023, Kimmel played a McAfee show clip for his audience where Rogers said the following. And you write, did you hear about the Epstein client list that's about to be released too? There's some files that have some names on it that might be getting released pretty soon. Kimmel did a mocking dumb guy, oh, to make get the reaction to show uh, on the show to Aaron's reveal. Jamie then said, might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron. And then you write, I can't be say I'm an expert on how Kimmel's show works, but this seemed rather odd to me as monologue fodder. Why would the mm-hmm. audience think it's bad or stupid to believe that Epstein had a client list that names would be revealed? Incidentally, this is actually what ended up happening. That leaves out the entire premise of this was Kimmel was doing a bit on UFOs and Rogers brought up the Epstein list in conjunction to he was positing that the UFO hearing was happening to distract America from the Epstein list. That is what Kimmel was making fun of him for. I think it's a shaky premise based on how that interaction went. And I think if you see the Kimmel clip, there's a reason why it's jump cutting around like the Homer Simpson defending himself about the gummy DeMilo and the uh, sweet can scene for those of you know, for those of you out there who are Simpsons fans. I think that conversation was a little more scattershot between those guys, a little more fucking around. And I don't think that. It was a layup comedically. I think it was an odd choice by Kimmel. Okay, so you can say it's an odd choice. Totally fair. And that Kimmel has a grudge with Rogers. Totally fair. But to not include in your piece ever that the initial Epstein barb between them was that Rogers was a legend that the government was holding UFO hearings to distract us from the Epstein list eight months ago, to me, leaves out the entirety of the context. So to which I would then ask you the very simple question. What do you think that Aaron Rodgers was alleging? We're talking the second time, Um, not the the first time. The first time I would say... Give me the quote where he made that allegation. And this might be the difference here. I might be a bit more of a literalist you on this particular quote. issue. No, no, no. I'm talking about in the original clip that Kimmel was making fun of. And God damn it, this crazy story is such a rabbit hole. Um, and it's somehow so complicatable being so dumb. But Rogers did not actually explicitly say this was happening and say that the government is using the UFOs to distract us from the Epstein list. They were talking about how it's curious that this is coming up. Around that time, there were, um, what was it, It, balloons. There was the Chinese balloon that got shot down or whatever. And they were just jumping around topics. I feel like this was not 
a layup again for Kimmel to make a deal out of. Now, to what you're saying, what do I think that Rodgers was saying about Kimmel and saying Kimmel was among those who didn't want the list to come out? And I would say to you what he literally said. You know, he did not say that Kimmel would be on a list. He did not make such, you know, he did not make such a claim explicitly. And I I would argue that this whole thing has been a game of telephone, that there was an internet influencer. It has not been a game of telephone. And it is not an instance of the internet choosing sides because they they love Kimmel and hate Rogers. And it's not an instance of Kimmel being tricked by Colin Rugg. It is. Here's the, here's the part. And I read your piece. And I listened to your to your uh, interview with Glass Spiegel, where he correctly immediately added the UFO context, and mm. where and, and it was blown past there as well. It, are you? What is? No one has finished the thought. If he is not trying to raise to the audience the specter of that Jimmy Kimmel is either on the list or is more worried about protecting people on the list than, you know, outing pedophiles, then what is he alleging? Why would Jimmy Kimmel not want the list out? What do you, if you don't think it's what I think it is, that he was trying to egg on his online army to do exactly what they did, which is, Photoshop Kimmel's name into the list and try to piece attach him to attach him to it because these two guys are feuding. What was he doing? The second time that Roger said something, the thing that got this whole thing going, if it wasn't what I think and what you accuse lazy groupthink media of doing, what was it? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that needs to be answered. I think we can take people's literal words. I don't think we need to read into it and overlay a context that we want it to be. I think if there's somebody like an Aaron Rodgers, and this is my main perspective on the issue, I don't want to be Aaron Rodgers's defense attorney. I think he's a flawed guy. I think he's a narcissist. I think he is a lot of what you and Colin would claim him to be. High maintenance, you know, he'll just tiresomely go on and on and on and on about whatever issue. But I think if a guy is flawed and has issues, we don't have to exaggerate it. We don't have to say he said something that he didn't say. And I think there's something wrong in media portrayals of this, uh, portraying it as though this backstory does not exist, this back and forth between Kimmel and that there isn't this possibly exonerating context. I mean, would you disagree with the following sequence? One, Rogers expresses an interest in the list on McAfee. Two, Kimmel mocks him for that interest and tells him that he should go into yes, concussion protocol. Yes, that Three, is not what he mocked him for. He mocked him for saying that the government, he was mocking the UFO stuff. That is what you, that is the part I that you have a asserted. It's, it's I think not it's a, a stretch. It's what the audio and video shows us. It is what he, Rogers is, Kimmel's monologue is about UFOs. He then pulls a clip from McAfee and Rogers talking about UFOs. And Rogers then says, as you wrote, and and Mm. I will again read it verbatim. uh, Did you hear about the Epstein client list that's about to be released to that that 
two word is meaning yes. in addition to the UFO stuff. And then he says there's some fi- files that have some names getting. Uh, well, wait a second. There's a gap. Soon. There's a gap between the UFO stuff and that particular comment because I watched yeah. the original clip of it. So it doesn't immediately follow that, which is why it's a strange edit, which is why if you see the Kimmel edit, it does jump around. So Look, you we think, can. You uh, think that the, Jim Kimmel is, hmm. is specifically mocking Aaron Rodgers for interest in the Epstein list. As yes. if that's not a massive story. Yes, it's this guy is weird, kooky conspiracy guy, and this is part of that booyah base, which I don't even think you would necessarily disagree okay. with as an opinion that a lot of people who are into weird conspiracies also fixate on the Epstein list. And this is part of what Kimmel is mocking. But my main point is that we don't have to read into it, that we don't have to say he suggested that Kimmel's a pedophile. He said Kimmel's on the list. Why? Because he did not literally say that. We don't have to overstate the case against somebody just because they're an asshole or they're flawed. Wait, wait a second. It's not overstating it. If Mm. someone wrote that Aaron Rodgers said Jimmy Kimmel is X, that's overstating it. The story was implied. The definition of the word implied is you didn't state it. You implied it. You alluded to it. That, that, that is the entire premise of the discussion. And where my issue is, you have no problem. Right, right now you're saying, if you didn't specifically say X, we have no reason to believe that that is what you were implying, but you do not no, that. not no reason. But if you're calling balls and strikes, and Rogers says in a subsequent interview that I didn't mean this, this isn't what I was saying, and there is reason and context to say, hey, I was he went after me for talking about X. Okay, that happened, and I said he doesn't really want X to come out, and that's the context. I think if you're calling balls and strikes, Nick. You would say the following. You would say there is reason for Jimmy Kimmel to think that this is what Rogers is insinuating. And there is also reason if you are a Rogers guy to say that, no, he was being attacked for talking about the list. So then I think, yes, I think the issue is the issue is the media generally, I think, should be fair. Even to a guy it hates, which is why I which think I, have I a recurring, agree with. Yes. I agree with that. I, I, I thought the piece you wrote on i'm a jerk now the baseball player that everybody the oh bauer trevor bauer about trevor bauer i thought that was a courageous piece to write interesting i didn't necessarily agree with all of it but the general premise of your idea of can the media be fair to an asshole it hates is i think is what your you know the title of it if i'm misquoting it the um i i like that idea the point i am making here is and I am going to try to pin you down on is I think you, you are now in this specific instance doing exactly what you dislike in reverse, which mm. is you are you are. In, I agree with you very often that a lot of what you would call the corporate media or whatever forms the the winner or loser or the right or wrong side of a topic based on who is on each side rather than the merits of it. And then it kind of works backwards from there. I understand that 
the case and I find it and I'm worthy of discussion. I think that in this instance, you saw everyone drawing the same conclusion and instead of being open to the idea, they drew the conclusion because it is the obvious clear one. You then called us all lazy and unfair. You said no one wants to actually research it. Nobody wants to actually be fair to Aaron Rodgers. And so I am now giving, I, I'm asking you, and, and I think it's I think it's bullshit to be like, no, we don't have to. He said, we all agree, mm. Jimmy Kimmel is hoping that list doesn't come out. My yes. question to you for a second time is, why does Aaron, why do you think your best guess, since you don't think it is, what the it was clear to everyone else what is the possible rationale that that hmm. that makes any of this make sense because my my where i'm at on this it follows yeah. a very clear path and i understand it your where you're at on this doesn't ha- as far as i can tell there is no end of it there is no end it's like and that's why this is it so what is it what is no, the I possible want, I actually, rationale i i want your you know, I, I'm actually curious about your answer to that because I have a theory, and this is reckless speculation, I would say. But I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll speculate. I'll, I'll follow you down this 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 particular journey and posit a theory. Yeah. But I want to know what you think he is literally saying. I want you to make a guess, getting in the mind of Aaron Rodgers, who does, and this is more speculation, look blazed out of his mind half the time that he's on these things. Um, what do you think? A that he actually thinks about Kimmel and B what he's trying to say. And oh, I'll I, give mine. I think that he was that Aaron Rodgers, whose good friend, as you correctly included, and I give you credit for this, the Bakhtiari context of Bakhtiari mm. flatly. Do we agree? Bakhtiari flatly accused Jimmy Kimmel of being on yeah. the Epstein list. We agree yeah, he did with something that, right? he should not he should not do he should not do what he did. Yes. Yeah, he said he said you know, tell me you're on the Epstein list without telling me you're on the Epstein list when this whole thing started. Bakhtiari tweeted about Kimmel yeah. that Rogers who is not nearly as smart as he believes he is but clearly bright in certain ways, I think correctly knew that there was a 0% chance that the Epstein list as a one item, you know what I mean, chronology, is yeah. ever going to exist. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't exist in theory, but it's, uh, it's not it, something, it's not like buried treasure that we're going to find. Right. This one it's document. not the yeah. next Harry Potter book. It's like, okay, <laughs> here it is. Read it. It's and you're so, the bad guys. <laughs> right. And, and so, because of so, yeah. what I believe he mm. was trying to do is weaponize as i as i discussed on my podcast the single worst thing you can be accused of uh in my opinion worse than saying this guy killed somebody against someone he hates mm. whether or not so do i i don't claim to know whether or not rogers believes it or not I, as far as like, is it w- was Kimmel's name ever on a list? I happen to think Rogers believes a lot of things he reads on the internet, and there are different things on the internet that says Immel was on the list and all this bullshit. Um, 
And so it maybe believes it, maybe he doesn't. But I think he was very clearly trying to say he will that uh, that Jimmy Kimmel is nervous about this list coming out, that he doesn't want this list coming out. It was what he said. And so I the and I find that to be the most and the reason that I said and I meant it that he has crossed the line into dangerous mm. and you mocked me for it was because <laughs> I did not specifically mock you for that, but continue, continue. I you do want to address the that. The media was hyperventilating about this saying it was, and it was, and I, I'm not trying to be too self-important, but I think my, my monologue on this was one of the things that cut through. Uh, yeah, and, it went and, viral. And so I, I do think that's dangerous. I think that someone with credibility to large portions of America and a big platform saying that uh, this guy, wink and a nod, might hurt children is dangerous. And you the and you you wrote in your piece, Roger's real beef should be with Bakhtiari. And my response there is, in theory, yes, but in reality, if you say, damn, on this podcast that I know a lot of important people in the industry, influential people listen to, it's popular, it's well done. If you say, man, Nick stole a take, the uh, concept of Mahomes Mountain, he stole it from somebody. Oh, you would never. And someone with 200 Twitter followers, none of which are in media, said everything Nick's ever said on television is plagiarized. I am going much more likely, I am much more likely going to be far bothered and have far bigger of a problem with yeah. you than with the other guy, even though the other guy's allegation is technically worse because your allegation carries weight, because your allegation has an audience. So, of course, Kimmel, who a lot of people are not going to even know who David Bakhtiari is, much less yeah. follow him and know it, he's going to take more issue with the guy with on the Pat McAfee show. All of okay, that makes so sense to me. You're, you're answering a, another question that you were put into me of, what do I think Kimmel's doing? Do I think Kimmel is... Going after Rogers because he thinks Rogers is goofy about the UFOs. No, if I had to, and yes, this is my speculation. If I had to guess what's going on, this whole rigmarole, and eventually we will leave the Talmudic parsing of words in this crazy saga and get into these uh, more meta mm -hmm. media issues. I think what happened is that Kimmel went after Rogers over the VAC stuff. I Bakhtiari, agree. Bakhtiari in his misguided effort to support his buddy, put the Epstein stuff out about Kimmel. And then that made Kimmel and whoever's around him hypersensitive. And then when Rogers brings up the Epstein stuff, then that gets highlighted in the monologue and he goes after Rogers, leading to this whole rigmarole where ESPN has this crazy decision to make about the Pat McAfee show and what the hell to do about it. And we are talking today on a day that it's been announced that Rogers is no longer going to appear on it this season. That's what I think has happened if I had to guess what happened. So... so let me respond to that real quick, and then I still I, – I, I ranted for so long. I never got your answer. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I can get I, that as well. I agree that 
Kimmel has a grudge against Rodgers. I agree that Kimmel has probably singled him out because of vaccine stuff initially. I agree with all of that. And were I a media reporter, maybe I would focus more on that part of it. But while that might be unfair or not nice, it is it is so exponentially far from this the this guy hopes this list of pedophiles doesn't come out. It's it's night and day. It, 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 uh, and so I am not I have I, at no point have I acted like I think Kimmel is a hero in this or any of that or that Rogers, as much as I think he's a phony and dishonest and all of it doesn't have legitimate reason to think this guy's an asshole and dislike yeah. it. But those are that is that to me is a totally separate thing. So I still, you said you had an answer or an idea. If yeah, he yeah. was not alleging that, what was it? I think the more charitable version of Rogers trying to stigmatize Kimmel in such a way would be you've got friends, you've got associates. Uh, Kimmel is friends with a guy who I guess was a chef of Epstein. I yep. don't know what Rogers thinks he knows, but I think the more charitable interpretation, if you were to go deeper than he's just reacting to Kimmel's reaction, would be you don't want your friends to come up on that list. And that is what's being alleged right there. So the specificity of saying, oh, he's saying that Kimmel's a pedo, I think that's going too far. And just in general, I don't think when people are flawed and when they are, as you put it, dangerous, um, I don't think there's a necessity to overstate the case. And that is generally what I I'm agree saying. with you. And I think you went out of your way to stick your fingers in your ear and, under, and understate it. I think that this was an instance where a lot of people who you think are phony or full of it all agreed on something. And you started from a place of they must be wrong. And what I and what I'm saying is I think this was one of those instances where. As it happened, the general knee-jerk reaction was the knee-jerk reaction, not because we have good guys and bad guys, but because something was so fucking obvious, anyone that is being fair and honest about it would have the same reaction. And I, and so I just, I, the, because you're someone that I think is very smart and does important work, it's, I was at a poker game having a couple cocktails, having a great time when you text me the first time. And I told you, I'm going to, I'm reading the article now and I text you back and I was like, I'm legitimately angry. <laughs> I, I I meant it. Like I was legit. It like ruined it. It upset my night because I just, it people that I don't respect or I don't think are bright or whatever. Like I, I don't really care uh, their opinions on things. Uh, you fall far into a very, very different category. And it was, and it, and I, so I read, I reread it. I listened to your thing the moment it came out. I went back and watched all of the stuff um, to uh, make sure like I wasn't missing anything. And I'm like, nope, it's pretty clear what's happening here. And so that's it. We don't have to spend the whole time on it. And I, no, it, I, I was about to ask to you. you 
I was about to ask you if you think this is great radio or terrible radio, because I almost feel like at a certain point when we're discussing this issue in this granular way where most people don't have the context, I feel like Aaron Rodgers 20 minutes into a Pat McAfee session talking about, you know, I don't even know, studies on uh, anti-malarials or whatever. Um, yeah, well, no, I think- it's not that because none of us are just totally talking out of our ass. Um, so it's certainly not that, but go ahead. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I just, I think that we could bring it to this more general place and the specificity of Kimmel versus Rogers and whatnot. I do think that there is this sense of in media double standards and not playing it fair and not going, this guy is flawed or he talks out of his ass sometimes. I think there is this sense of, wait a second, one day you're presenting me with an Aaron Rodgers who you're telling me is a brilliant guy and he's going to host the, you know, he's going to host Jeopardy. And the next day, everybody is in lockstep in any sort of prestigious position. And it's that this guy is an idiot. He's soft brained. He went to a junior college, as Jimmy Kimmel was saying, which I thought was a strange move by Kimmel. Yeah, I um, thought that was, I, I, I personally, if I may, just real quick, I was, I, the I thought the low hanging fruit of going after the guy's educational bona fides was was undercut Kimmel's what could have been I think a stronger you know takedown if you will I yes I agree with you I thought that was I thought that was foolish but go ahead sorry no I I think there's this sense of double standards and also how I disagree with you I don't think he's dangerous. I don't think he is correct about some things. There are things that he says on that program that I don't agree with and I don't think are helpful to put out there. Um, You know, principally, I don't see much evidence that the anti-malarials and ivermectin, um, you know, has the benefits that he says it does. And I don't. You know, I don't want to go back to like just drag us back into the rabbit hole of 2021, which I think is part of this whole story. I think there are a lot of people who don't even have an issue with what Rogers is saying, but just feel like I don't want to go back there emotionally. I don't want to think about Anthony Fauci. Those were the worst couple so, of years of my life. Right. Um, so I so yeah. if I if I can jump in for a second, I I can meet you part of the way, right? So I do think that it would be helpful for us societally if we could without our pride i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to back up to one of my favorite uh kind of analogies if you will and i'll get a, i'll build the bridge i promise um I so i believe that so once upon a time the only people whose opinions were recorded were people in our position, right? In the media with a platform. And when that was the case, uh, you know, writers, broadcasters, whatever, the average American, I think, changed their mind all the time. It's like, I believed this, but now I believe this. Um, But now about everything that really matters, everyone to their own community is to bring up a, you know, a sports topic you and I don't see eye to eye on is me and Brock Purdy. I love it. It's like, well, <laughs> God damn it. I have really planted my flag here. And mm. if I, you know what I mean? If I back down or whatever it is, I'm an egg on my face. So I think be, that has caused massive problems. 
that people who in the past, if they were a huge Trump supporter or Biden supporter four, eight years ago, whatever, only their closest circle would know. And they could then be like, well, I thought it was going to go this way. It went this way. Now I feel totally different. People feel married to it because I got these tweets up and everybody Mm. knows where I was. And so I don't want to move. I say all that to say this. I think it'd be useful if everyone, if we could almost have, you know, a nationwide truce be like, hey, none of your COVID opinions you held for these two years are going to be held against you. No one's going to throw it in your face. Can we have a real discussion about what happened there about, you know, taking rims off basketball hoops outdoors and about Mm -hmm. this and about that? So if and when we are faced with something like this again, we can take the things we did well and emphasize those and stay away from things we didn't. I think that conversation is a useful one. And I do think the reason I I bring it up in this context is I do think that you uh, that you're right in that people are almost afraid in some ways to venture into some of those conversations because now I'm going to align with the out crowd or you you know what I mean? Whatever it is. So I I think what you're discussing there is a real problem. And it's, it's, it's one of the reasons I admire some of the stuff you do. Um, and so I agree, I agree with the general premise of that on, on this specific, like on the, everyone turning on Rogers. It's, I think it is lazy is the wrong word. I think it's too easy of an out for Rogers to be like, they hated me until they heard my vaccine. They loved me. And then they, the vaccine thing turned them off. I think for far more people, it was the outright lying and disingenuousness that was then followed up by a very similar level of lying and disingenuousness in relation to your football career, uh, the same exact beats of the no, I'd never, of course I obviously did, that we have now seen played out on four different football-related things that made everyone be like, this guy is just a sanctimonious phony. And I I think he uses as an armor... And I think his some of his defenders use as an armor of you just don't like him because he stood up to big pharma while, you know, being paid 40 million dollars by a big pharma era, of course. I mean, really stood up. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I'm not Aaron Rodgers's defense attorney. I mean, the weird thing is. It is a strange take, maybe. But the first time he lied back in the day of fall of 2021 with the immunized I don't have much of a problem with that initial lie. It's the second lie that I think cuts more to the core of why he can be a tiresome figure. When he was called on it, I would have been totally fine with him going, well, you you got me. You got me. You know, I was under pressure. It's a press conference. I didn't want to, you know, create a media firestorm. I said some shit and I lied. My bad. 
But instead, he did this didactic, this sort of, well, I said immunize and aren't I clever uh, that I didn't specifically lie because I was crossing my fingers behind my back. I think the second lie speaks more, yes, to a character flaw and also did to what you're saying. Give some insight into why, well, this guy is great and one of the greatest quarterbacks and has stood the test of time until maybe right now as a guy yeah. you can succeed with despite these flaws a very high maintenance individual well, and, and somebody who's difficult then, to deal with right and then what made it to me far worse was because i agree with you entirely uh and that if you had just been like all right got me uh you know I've, you know, I have strong opinions on a lot of things. I try to not publicize, you know, a lot of them earlier in my career. I wasn't trying to step into this. You know, if anyone feels like I made them, you know, I put them at risk because they thought I was, you know, I disagree that I did that. But, you know, if whatever. I, but it was not only that he did exactly that, but then on things as small as uh, the Packers ghosted me. And then the Packers GMs like called him a bunch and he's mm. like, Oh yeah, everybody knows I don't have phone service and you have to FaceTime me. And it's like, Oh, so this is just, this is the, Oh my God. I can't believe the shoddy journalism that said I had a list of players for the jets to sign. And then Diana Rossini is like, you definitely did. Maybe it wasn't demands. It was recommendations. But it was Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Tim Boyle, whomever. And then the Jets sign all those people. And when he's asked about it, he's like, well, of course they asked my opinion. I've been in the league 15 years. And I told him, guys. And it's just like, oh, okay. So you're just going to flagrantly bullshit. And when called on it, you're going to still somehow be like, what are you talking about? I was bullshitting. And that to me, I think people find incredibly tiresome. I think people find that to be a true character flaw. And I think that's why the juxtaposition of Monday at his, you know, end of season press conference, him giving a quote saying one of the number one things we as a Jets franchise need to do is get all the bullshit out of the building that doesn't have to do with winning. All of that needs to be done. It needs to be about winning and about football. And literally within a two minutes of that saying, yeah, you can hear me tomorrow on the Pat McAfee show discuss the Jimmy Kimmel, Anthony Fauci battle I'm in. It's like, it's, it's just such a lack of self-awareness. I think, I think people find that repellent. Far more than whether or not they think it was, you know, part of being a responsible citizen of the world to get vaccinated. Like, I just think it's an easy off ramp of like, oh, you don't like me because of, you know, my strong beliefs as opposed to you don't like me because I'm not fucking likable. Hmm. Yeah, I could anger you further about how he does remind me of another uh, great player in the other sport uh, who plays in Los Angeles as a high maintenance guy with a lot of passive aggression who sometimes is disingenuous, but we don't necessarily need to go down that route. It's there, are, there, are some hmm. there are some similarities. I would, okay. I would, um, I would, and we don't have to go down this road entirely. Uh, mm -hmm. I would argue strongly 
that while there are some similarities, it there it is not more than surface level. Also, I wonder if on the vaccine stuff, I wonder how much the guy you're talking about agrees with a lot of the stuff Aaron's saying. <laughs> well, like I've never quite the, nailed that down. That's a whole subplot that we haven't even gotten into, which is how many people within the NFL. I'm sure a lot of them are rolling their eyes at him pontificating and going on and on, but there must be some support for what he's saying. It seems like the only person who's had an issue with this tack he's taken is Travis Kelsey because he attacked Travis Kelsey for being Mr. Pfizer or whatever. So it does seem to be one of those chasms between athlete opinion and the media. Uh, It's ironic because I often offer the PR advice for bastards and scoundrels. I call it dad. Don't apologize. Double down. But I do think Everybody would have been just better out of this if, as we were saying, Rodgers had copped to the initial lie when caught red-handed. And I think that, I mean, maybe this is envisioning life too much like a corny movie uh, when we're talking about a pissing contest between two famous guys. But I think if Kimmel had said, look, what Rodgers is insinuating about me is wrong, and I'm just going to unilaterally disarm right here, and I'm going to say, I shouldn't have said that he was putting people at risk back then. I know now better than I knew then, and that was wrong. It doesn't excuse what he did, but we all need to basically come together. Everybody slow claps. I don't know. I think that would have been better. But to what you're saying, everybody, uh, nobody's going to change their mind. <laughs> nobody's going to really give an inch. We are in this conversation, but not not generally when people are at war. No, and the... the and do you... Who's... McAfee has referenced a number of times that people were calling Aaron a murderer. Did that actually like, was that, is that one of those things where people are saying, and it's like a few random tweets or was that like, cause if that was, if there was anyone with any platform or prominence saying mm. that, cause I, cause that's the other, the other part of this, that to me, and the, the most interesting part of the, it, sorry, I do this thing where I do, I, it's I okay. apologize. It can be, I can, Get on tangents. I part. I do feel like Aaron's really was really like a lot of people um, changed and scarred. Yes, by this is key. The 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 COVID era, and I yes. think he is truly wounded by yes. some of the things said about him, said to him, and I think it really changed him. And that because I'm an empathetic person, uh, at least I try to be. I it, that makes me sad. Like, I feel badly because I, I know he he's big on I'm not a victim. I don't care. Say whatever you want about me. He just says all these things because he doesn't want to align with the groups that he thinks would call themselves victims or whatever. But he's, he acts like someone who was victimized by something and is still dealing with it. And, like, yeah. that he was really deeply wounded by it. And that part makes me sad. Like, I'm like, man, that sucks. And maybe I just wasn't online enough or paying enough attention to what the fringes were saying about him when it came to the COVID stuff. I remember the mainstream was pretty brutal and 2021 was, uh, there was still, it was still a very emotional time and people didn't know what they know now, but I'd have to run it through a Lexus Nexus as far as him getting called a a murderer. I I, I didn't see that, but you're getting at something. I I just want to say that you're getting at something very deep, which is that I think most people are in the camp of, Oh, not this again. I mean, they probably feel this way about us talking about it. Like not 2021 again, not Fauci again. I don't want to return there. I don't want to think about it. I'm so glad things 
are normal now. I don't want to return. But there's this other contingent, and it is not small. And in a weird way, Rogers, perhaps for selfish reasons, has become something of their tribune of people who can't get over it. And I don't, I don't say it's it. It's the touchstone of what they of so much of how they view the world currently. I like the correct, and I'm not. I don't say it pejoratively either. Uh, and that is where I'm being like since and it is the other part that for me, Rogers, the, the reason the Rogers stuff is so interesting is he is, in my opinion, the first true superstar athlete we have that went all the way down the internet rabbit hole to where it became their own reality. And when you saw eat like, um, we all have people in our lives that this happened to, and we all know people, or I shouldn't say we all have people. I certainly have people in my lives. I think most people do. Um, and for a lot of these people, the, they, the moment it went from like something they flirted with a little eccentricity, whatever was, the COVID era and that whether it was distrust of government or more time or whatever. And it, it seemed like that Kyrie was maybe going to be that guy. And then Kyrie, I think, you know, I, this is a sidebar, but I'll, I'll believe to my last day, Kyrie never watched that movie. Yeah. The I thing agree. that he, that he, but he I posted agree. it. Hadn't there's didn't watch the two hour documentary and then got pissed. People were telling him to take it down and instead of just being like, guys, my bad, didn't watch it, saw this clip or whatever, thought it was interesting. Sorry. He then because he does he doesn't want anyone to ever tell him what to do was like bleep you. I believe it. And now all of a sudden, Kyrie, for all his flaws, I do not think that guy is a hateful person towards anyone, any groups. All of a sudden, he's being defending himself against anti-Semitism because he didn't want to just admit, I never watched it. I didn't get to the Hitler part of this thing, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And so I think that there is – and but because of that, I think Kyrie, whatever he believes or doesn't believe, I think he was like, that was not fun. And I am Mm. not going to – you know, publicly yeah. espouse this anymore. Aaron's gone a very different way. Aaron, you can, and, and, and you this can, is going to sound ahead. crazy. Sorry to interject, but you can see his competitive nature in him not letting this go. When he was on McAfee, he was talking about Jimmy Kimball's opinions on the vaccine. He said, that was an L. That was an yes. L for him. And it's just, or was this, are we in a competition? What's happening here? And that's what he's saying. He was saying, and then the Epstein thing would have been another L. It's exactly right. He was, he is looking at the, and then when he's like, I'll debate you, we can do these things. It is a very odd we've got, spot. We've got, we've got Epstein at week 13 on the schedule and we've got I mean, Ivermectin it's, it's, on week 14. Yeah. I mean, it I is, mean, I mean, that is what is happening. I, it's, you're getting at some stuff though, because one of the reasons why I think you're, I don't want to call it a rant against your monologue. Um, It's not even that because you're in conversation on your podcast. But whatever you said about him, one of the reasons why it went viral is because you did bring it to that place. The feeling of losing people down these rabbit holes, which I think can be a, a matter of perspective sometimes. This might be a weird tangent to take it. 
But I was thinking about it, and I was thinking there's something strange about Rogers. Let's just say he's got some crazy opinions. Let's say I don't, you know, let's let's call him a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. That's what's getting thrown around. Let's just, yeah, Yeah, let's just throw that. Yeah. The weird thing about that is that in the broader media conversation, that is grounds for being a freak and somebody who is regarded as crazy. But in real life, a lot of people are like this. Just a lot like a normal person is crazy is what I'm saying. I mean, this is a weird example to draw from. But I have a neighbor and he is the most popular guy in the neighborhood. He leads a rich and fulfilling life. He has kids. Everybody in the neighborhood would say this guy is a psychologically healthy guy, a fantastic guy. And at some point in conversation with him, um, he not only posited that 9-11 is an inside job, Nick, but he pulled the move of being surprised that I didn't think that. It was one of these, like, wait, wait, you know, you what? think... You don't you, believe you think- that? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just a hell of a move. And so I think there's this there's this aspect of me when I see this kind of thing happen where maybe I have a little more tolerance for it and I worry less about it getting into the cultural bloodstream and I have a little bit more of a mentality of, well, well some people are like this and maybe the broader media shouldn't be so hidebound about it and just accept that there is a range of opinion out there and we're not going to lose our minds because some people go off the deep end. Sure. I, but that I think one of the, so I think that one of the reasons there has been this type of response and almost anger towards either Pat or the show or the network or whatever, not take the Rogers Kimmel feud aside is it it does feel like to some that yeah there are a lot of people that have a lot of crazy opinions and it is frustrating that there were real consequences for a lot of people that had extreme opinions on race policing criminal justice those ex- the, the the real extreme opinions on those were not the, we we all have friends or family or people that believe in full flown, full blown abolition right there we have people that believe in that not not defund but abolish we have people that believe and those the moment those ideas were flirted with in these spaces it was a full blown pivot to guys gals we are sports. We are sports. And this is the focus and this mm. is what we're doing. Yeah. But now, because I think there is something of an understanding, and I think this is frustrating for some people, that yeah. th- there is more of a top that, that s- people of certain beliefs are less likely to hear something they disagree with and then be like, I will never watch or listen to your network or your show again. And so those, it's almost the squeaky wheel philosophy, right? Which is, but if if people are like and will be loud, like, nope, you're too woke, you're, you know, I'm out. I think there was a real fear of alienating yeah. this group. 
And then all of a sudden, I think there were some people being like, whoa, the rules got to cut both ways. It's got, you know, and, and so I think that was some of the adverse reaction to this happening in the first place. You keyed on the point was, which is, this is very odd television. And, uh, and the, you know, that this yeah. is just like a, an odd spot to be having. By, by the way, I, I, I mean, we've, I, I didn't anticipate us talking so much about it, but I think we just have a bunch of thoughts and it's a fascinating, yeah. crazy circumstance. The weird thing nobody's saying is that Aaron Rodgers is an excellent guest on that show when he's talking football. So Great. it's all, it's Great. all part of this crazy bouillabaisse where so, I'm going to tell you things about QB cadence that you never have heard before. And I'm going to bring you behind the scenes and we're going to talk about Fauci. So why do you think, so let me ask you this before we go. Yeah. Why do you think he's not going to be on the rest of the playoffs? Yeah. What are the machinations behind the scenes of that? Did McAfee, did he just think the block was too hot? He, it felt good for a while being the big man. Yeah, machinations, as producer Mays says in the chat. Um, and telling them off and saying, look, I run this. You don't run this. It's hard for me to speculate because who knows what they went over in whatever me, contractual me whatever. So so here's, so here's the reason I bring it up. One thing we totally agree on. I would be super interested in hearing Aaron talk about these playoff games yes. and these quarterbacks. When he has talked football, it's been awesome. I've not been that interested in him talking about the Jets because it's weird and they stink, and I'm not yeah. interested in all of this other nonsense. And I wasn't that interested in hearing him talk about his Achilles rehab, which was another thing that I felt he was wholly disingenuous about. But the, the, the rare times that we've actually talked football, you know, heard him talk football, it's been very good, right? So this to me is a fascinating reality. I shouldn't say reality, but possibility. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers just couldn't be trusted to go in front of a live microphone for a half hour once a week and just yeah. talk football. You, right? What, uh, yeah. 40-year-old, face of a franchise, one of the faces of the league, it was like, hey, man, we have this guy who would be great talking about these things. The playoffs are starting. Yeah. And because we can't trust him, we're just going to cut it off. Like, yeah. that's – it's the – it's in a similar way. Like I, I was trying to at one point see if we could get Garnett as a regular basketball contributor, and someone who knows him, so, yeah, someone who knows him told me he was like, he just can't do it live. Like he's great, he's awesome, but like he just he can't. He is going to drop a ton of f bombs, and our show is truly live. Like it wouldn't work, and that's like almost more of a cuter can't trust him. But it is like oh, just can't. Yeah. You know, and I hope if KG sees this man, nothing but love and respect for you. I'm not taking a shot. Just what I was told. Um, but uh, I imagine KG subscribes to yourself. He's a huge House of Strauss guy. <laughs> He's a big as subscriber is on Jimmy this. Kimmel, uh, as is Aaron Rodgers. They're um, all they're all subscribed. But that's fascinating to me. Just can't trust him. Like ah. Can't do it, it is because he's the face of a multi-billion-dollar company. That's why it's so fascinating. It's <laughs> not yeah. like he's some retired crank. Like, like they they're gonna trust him to lead this team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, but 
Pat can't trust him for a half hour a week to talk about CJ Stroud against Joe Flacco. It's unbelievable. It's, I mean, okay. So I don't know when your heart out is here, but I do want your thoughts on some of this. Do you feel like you could be totally candid by the way, because there is sensitivity when you're on the other channel and you don't want to be seen as taking shots necessarily. And I know that you're, you're not someone who does when it comes to this space, but do you feel like you can, you can candidly give an assessment of the general McAfee show of it all when looking across the transom? And, and I, I think this? I definitely can, but I'm not going to. I, mean, <laughs> I think I have the ability, like I'm capable of it, but it's just not my thing. I don't, um, I, I kind of made a decision a long time ago uh, that I just don't want to be that guy. And the mm. only time I'm going to talk about anything in the space that I do is going to be when I think something's awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Be kind of like, yeah. and I'm not going to lie about thinking something's awesome, but I'm not going to, uh, I, it, I'm just not going to do it. So I did. So no, sorry. Yeah. I, I can appreciate that. I will say, and you're not saying it that I do, I'm more fixated on the distinction between a show like yours and a show like the McAfee show, which was a successful YouTube show, but by their own admission has a certain kind of structurelessness. And what I would say, because I always lavishly compliment your show, first things first, the structure, the structure just seems so important. And that seems like it's an underrated part of this whole story, which is that I mean, maybe you can't trust Aaron, but maybe if there's more of a structure, you can. I'm just so interested in how you guys do it. I think the article you wrote about, you wrote two articles on this. The one that wasn't about, you know, what did or didn't Aaron say. The one that pissed you off and the one that I don't think pissed you off. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you raised some interesting points, which is um, what audiences expect and what is considered awesome if you're consuming it via a telephone screen or a computer screen versus via a television screen. I think in a lot of our brains, it's like that shouldn't change anything, but I I think somewhere subconsciously it does. And we just have different, the thoughts or feelings or whether we're know we're having them or not on what we expect to receive. You know what I mean? Depending on the medium that we're, receiving it from. And I think that is, I think it was an astute point. And maybe that, by the way, is going to eventually be a relic of the past. Um, Mm. But I, the, Simmons, I think said to Wilds once on one of their podcasts, like during the, I think it was during the writer strike or actor strike or something that one of these channels that he followed some Instagram or TikTok feed or whatever, which was, I don't even remember what it was, but it was basically, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos, but 20 seconds at a time. And it was just like, it was just like hilarious mm. injuries. You know what I mean? But not serious injuries. Or, you know, it's something stupid that you scroll through, whatever. Yeah. And I think, I, I hope I'm not misquoting him. I think Simmons was like, man, he was like, I can find myself watching this for 20 minutes. And kind of said jokingly, like, there's no shows. One of these channels should put that on. I thought of that when I read your, he was kidding, obviously, but I thought of it when I read your article, which was, yeah, like we all know intuitively that would not work. 
even if mm. we also know intuitively that that page gets 30 yeah. million views, you know what I mean? Whatever. It's uber successful right here and just wouldn't work if you were flipping the channels. And I can't, you know, diagnose why that's the case. But I think I know I think that is true. And I also like I also. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, it's funny because maybe this is a mistake because I'm crossing mediums, but I have been looking to your show, which I generally try to time up the opening of your show with when I leave this office to get lunch oh, nice. uh, out on out on the West Coast. But I think maybe I should have some structure on House of Strauss. Maybe I should have some regular segments. Now, that might be me making the same sort of mistake and applying TV principles. But I do think that there are general principles about expectations and regular segments that you can learn something from. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, that there are, there's obviously the exception to all of these things, but I think most of the, you know, kind of successful frameworks uh, have been pretty well established. Like I, the, for our show, we didn't set out to do this, but what we ended up following was the model inside the NBA created. Like that's mm. the, we didn't, it's not like we were trying to copy them and it just kind of, ha- but like we, and I'm not at all saying we are them cause that's the be- been the best show on TV for forever, but we just ended up kind of falling into that where, the star of the show is the relationships, you know what I mean? Of the, of the people. That's what, that's what makes people feel connected to the show. Um, But there is a reason why like to go to the late night shows, like Letterman, you knew every day you were getting a top 10 list. Like you knew like there is like the whole like benchmark idea in media seems to work. You mentioned when you were talking to Glass Spiegel, like, and we used to have none on First Things First, and Wilds was like, we got to have him. And Wilds kn- knows a ton about TV because he's created TV, and he just he's like, just got to have him. He's like, just trust me, you got to have him. And when you were talking to Glass Spiegel, you were like, I look forward to Mahomes Mountain. Like, that was yeah. that's just something we created, but now it is something that people know Tuesdays at 4 o'clock, that's going to be there. And so it feels, it, and I also think, it's along the same lines of people will pay as much attention as you are. So like, it's important on the show when someone else is talking that the other people seem interested. Now they can seem annoyed or they can seem, you know, they can think it's funny, dumb, angering, whatever. What they can't be doing is like not visibly not paying attention because then the audience is like, why am I paying attention? Logically along the same path is if the show looks like, it took a lot of people to put together and there's a lot of work put into it. It feels like more worth your time. You know what? Mm. I, and so the, I, I think that keys to the audience, Oh, this is a, there's a lot happening here. And so I do think yeah. that, you know, is helpful or important. Well, that, I mean, that reminds me of this counterintuitive thing, which is that some of my most viral articles are 5,000 words, and people say nobody reads 5,000 words. But when you write 5,000 words, it announces, hey, I just made a big effort right here. This the thought was put into yeah. this right here. But um, 
I want to ask a couple questions about your mindset with the show, and then we can get on out of here, unless you have anything more to grill me about. No, 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 time you, for you, that. no, I'm good. I'm just, um, I'll answer the questions, then I'll go pick my wife up from work. <laughs> I don't want your wife to be, uh, you know, alone no. in the cold, not being picked up. So we You're will fine. proceed. We'll proceed with, uh, with, with haste. Oh, one thing I just want to say without being a topic, um, Nick's tears is my favorite. Uh, Mahomes Mountain, I enjoy. Like everybody else, I get mad at you for including the college quarterbacks, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But I like, it's almost literary how, and I just invite somebody without explaining it to uh, check out that segment when you rank the teams thematically. I think that is, as a writer. Yeah. Thank you. That's a very nice compliment because that is... The actual order, the general order the teams are going to be in is not that difficult. But finding a way to stay true to the general order and being able to come up with a five-word or less tier tier name is the real work in that. And I'm not a writer, uh, so I appreciate that. That is my favorite segment as well. and it's the and so that's very that's a I that that's a compliment that resonates. So I appreciate that. But go ahead. What yeah. were your questions? Well, and you know, you you know, I'm a big fan of the show and I'm often defending it because people and this is, you know, how this whole dynamic between us has started where you assumed I was one of the people who would like look down on roll you their, or not roll like their eyes you. at what I do. Yeah, that's right. Which, that's right. which a lot of people frankly do without knowing they they've seen a clip here or there they have an interface with it they assume it's daytime sports tv so it must be dumb and it's not a lot of thought does go into it it's smart it's funny i'd recommend it um the last thing we'll address is because i think this gives an insight into you as a takesman can you explain category one Category two. Oh, yeah. Category, category three. three. Yeah. So this, I came up with this mid show one day. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, this is great. Like just, uh, and I know that sounds arrogant. I don't mean to, but there's a lot of things sometimes I'll just say on the air that I'm like, oh, okay, well, that'll never be said again. That's thrown away. But there's a few that I haven't planned at all that I stumbled into like last February. I just said out of nowhere and Wilds plays along great. I'm like, Wilds, you know, as you know, my New Year's resolution was be less humble. And Wilds just was like, oh, yeah, of course. And I'd never said that to him anything. And then it just all year long, I was able to reference like, well, I don't want to do this, but you know what my resolution is. So one day, I don't remember what it was. I just said, listen, I have three types of takes. Category one, instantly correct. That's like. Who's going to win tonight? And I'm right. Mm. Category two, eventually correct. And that is my favorite type and the most satisfying type. And category three, immediately wrong. Just like dead, dead on wrong. And so when we have talked about like Brock Purdy, uh, you know, and he has a perfect passer rating and they're trying to throw it in my face or whatever. I'm like, listen, guys. We just all know this is going to be a classic category two of where I'm eventually correct. And then he has the game against the Ravens and I get to, you know, peacock about it or whatever. Um, But yeah, but I do, I do think about it that way. And now like, so the chiefs this season though, have a really, you know, Jokic 
winning the title and being dominant is like a vintage as bad as it gets category three. Like I was wrong every step of the way, never gave any quarter, and I have nowhere to go on it. The Chiefs, who I picked to go 20 and 0, if they lose in round one, it's you know a pretty bad category three. If they rebound from this awful regular season and win the Super Bowl, even though I picked them to go 20 and 0, it's still a classic category two. <laughs> like I was just eventually right about it. it. Took longer than I thought, but I was right. Well, I think you are a Bayesian. You come in with your priors and you are slow to adjust them. And that that is not a criticism. It's just, it's a different way of going about things because sometimes you can end up more correct more often than not, just because the natural inclination is to be prisoner of the moment, which is why you have uh, self-titled yourself, uh, Mr. Consistency. Mr. Consistency, that's right. In contrast (laughs) to your Our show is so dumb. Our show, Wild, (laughs) Wild said it to me the other day. He's like, can you imagine if you watched the first 30 minutes of our Monday show and within one minute of us talking about the dolphins there's break dancers on the stage and the question about the cowboys is are they officially s bob or not he's like if you've never watched the show do you even understand it it's like yeah i don't know but that's that's what we're doing (laughs) it well it's like arrested development or one of these shows becomes quite self-referential um you've got to pick up your wife I Uh, I have no idea if the first 20 to 30 minutes of what we did was great radio or terrible radio, but we'll throw it up there all the same. I'll tell you that Um, much. You know what? It was, it it was cathartic for me. Your guy Mays, um, says it was great. He also, he wrote an hour ago when I said about how upset I was at the article, he wrote, you let Ethan into your heart and he disappointed you. Which was really just a great line. Well, you can just call you can just call me Trevor Lawrence then. Uh, okay. You can. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Ethan. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. See ya.